This is One Bills Live, presented by Kaleida Health. All right, back in the studio here on a Monday, fresh off our sojourn to Indianapolis for the NFL Combine. Chris Brown, Steve Tasker with you. One Bills Live is your show of choice. Thanks for joining us. And uh, we'll be putting a cap around the Combine. But the business of football, Steve, is what is taking center stage here early in the week as teams, after having conversations with veterans with fat contracts on their rosters and in need of cap relief, are making some decisions. There are also some early free agents out there in the market who are finding homes and I only expect more of this to continue, Steve, because you got a lot of teams that got to create cap space to do business, let alone be in cap compliance. And you have a lot of other parties looking for jobs, musical chairs with quarterbacks, as we've seen each of the last two or three off seasons. Derek Carr going to New Orleans. Going to NOLA. <clears throat> yeah, that's uh, – it. it's great, too, because – Last night, it was like, Derek Carr's leaning towards the New York Jets. He's going to be a Jet. Now he's wasn't that just, wasn't that just posturing by his uh, agents perhaps. to get more money out of the Saints? Perhaps. Nevertheless, it worked because they're about ready to do a deal. And the Saints, who at one point were like, I don't know, six gazillion dollars over the cap. Yeah. <clears throat> now they're going to sign Derek Carr to a new deal. And, I, and he was asking, like, I heard the number was like $35 million or whatever it was when he's looking for. He's talking with the Jets, and then, of course, the thing comes out where he's close to signing with the Jets, and New Orleans goes, well, we'll wait a minute, you know. And uh, yeah, he can play. I think he's the best guy out there. Uh, nobody else is available. Rodgers is – they say he's – yeah, no. I think the Packers want to move on from him, but Rodgers is the one that, that holds the cards, and he's not going anywhere. He wants to play this year, and it may be that Green Bay is the only place he's going to go because of the way he's handled them. If Aaron Rodgers is on the market, he's the best guy out there, but he's not. Derek Carr is, and he's going to sign a huge deal with New Orleans. Yeah, going to reunite with his former head coach from his rookie year in Oakland. In 2014, in Dennis Allen, and by all indications, that was the main attraction for Derek Carr. Because I'm going to submit to you this, Steve. Derek Carr is going to sign for good money there with a team that is leading the league almost annually in amount of money over the cap. Right. While I totally understand that the NFC South is devoid of elite quarterback play, And so as Derek Carr going to the NFC South today, you are the best quarterback in that division. Absolutely. How much help are the Saints realistically getting you, though, with their current cap situation? How much help are they going to get you to make you better? And I mean, did you go to New Orleans to win or did you go to play for a coach that you trust? I think it's the latter. Well, think about this. Who says they're going to win that division? Well, let's let's let all the chips fall first. Well, okay, but as it stands today, yes, it's the move. I mean, Carolina's got Sam Darnold. Well, no, he's a free agent, and so they Baker. don't even have him. They don't even have Baker anymore. No, he's in remember LA. that deal. Who, I, so the Carolina has nobody. Tampa Bay has nobody. Nobody. Atlanta has Marcus Mariota, who was Derek Carr's backup in Oakland, 
and who is also on the free. He's they're going to release him probably because of salary cap measures. Mm-hmm. So there, he is the quarterback in right. that division. So nobody's going to beat that team. I just wonder how much they're going to be able to put talent around Derek Carr in light of their cap situation. That's my that's my only concern on his behalf. Yeah. You know, he wanted out of Las Vegas. You know, for probably a multitude of reasons. Well, Vegas Maybe had to get Vegas is the one who kicked him to the curb. Right, but I think he wanted to be free and clear of everything. He didn't even want to get traded somewhere, which is why he never agreed to void his no trade clause. He wanted to go somewhere of his choosing. Of his choosing, which I totally respect. Yeah. So totally fine with that, but I kind of scratched my head a little bit, and maybe the choices were limited, and this was the best landing spot he could pick. But, okay, maybe you can win your division because the NFC South is devoid of quarterbacks better than you, at least right now. But what if Aaron Rodgers goes to Tampa? Like, you know what I mean? So, I I don't know. I just – I worry about the Saints' cap situation. I'm sure they'll be able to get under the cap like they do every year and go into cap compliance – but are they really going to be able to acquire any talent for Derek Carr to succeed there? You have Alvin Kamara, who may be, you know, in maybe sentenced to prison by the time uh, we get to next season because of his incident off the field. Right. So uh, he might be out of the mix. Michael Thomas, they may throw overboard to save on the cap. And so now it's Chris Olave and a bunch of guys on offense. Like, what? I, I don't know. I, I While I understand it, I, I don't know. And, okay, you win your division, you go to the playoffs. Are you getting much further than that, even in the the NFC? Devoid of quarterbacks? I don't know. Here's what's guaranteed. I like that he went to the NFC. There aren't a lot of quarterbacks there. The only thing you're guaranteed in this league is what your contract says you're going to make if you make the team. That's the only thing you're guaranteed. If you give money, it's in your pocket, that's guaranteed. And whatever your contract says. Winning's not guaranteed. Playing well's not guaranteed. Having a good team around you is not guaranteed. So... As a player, and this is where we got into it last year, uh, this last offseason with Aaron Rodgers and um, Devontae Adams. Everybody thought, well, Devontae and Aaron are going to be in cahoots and they're going to you know, decide whether does Devontae want to stay if Aaron's going to stay or does Aaron stay if Devontae leaves. Let me tell you something. When they signed their deals, they got the best deal out there no matter who it was for because none of this other stuff is guaranteed. Not having a good team, not liking your coach, not liking the city, yeah. none of it. That's where the players ultimately land. And, and Derek Carr landed in New Orleans because it was the best deal. Well, money, and he also got the added bonus of a coach he feels he can trust in Dennis Allen. Well, the last time they were together, Dennis Allen got fired four weeks into the season. So I don't know how good a relationship that was. And they had Khalil Mack there as well. So good luck, guys. The other shoe make the five games this year. Yeah. The other shoe that's supposed to drop, it, with New Orleans anyway, deals with the other quarterback on the roster, namely Jameis Winston. He is now expected to be released to help the Saints save about four and a half million on the cap. As we know, they need all the salary cap help they can get to get into cap compliance. Let me ask you this, Steve: What do you think about Jameis Winston as a backup quarterback option for Buffalo? If, in fact, he's released. Okay. He's got a live arm. And yeah, he can't extend plays like Josh can. So he would have to change things in the more, offense yeah, if he were to play. He's more of a pocket passer. He's a little bit – I've got to tell you, and I don't know about the personality and all that, 
But I like his skill set better than Case Keenum. Got a better arm. Yeah. Um, you could do worse. You could do a lot worse than Jameis Winston as a backup quarterback. Yeah, and he's he's played that role before. You'd be able to get a little bit of feedback from guys who have played with and against him and coached him. Um, that's not bad. I mean, I I'm fine with it. It doesn't doesn't really matter that you know that he's the guy that you know has struggled in other places. But if he's on the field, I mean, you're either mopping up or the season's over. It's it, you know. It would it would obviously entail a massaging of salary. I mean, he gets cut in New Orleans and he's looking for a gig. He's probably going to look to start somewhere first. And <laughs> he's in a division right now that needs a lot of quarterback help, as we know. But I don't see him going back to Tampa. That's not happening. Yeah. Um, yeah, Derek Carr's deal was four years, $150 million. I don't know that he and Frank Reich are a match in Carolina. Jameis Winston? What do you think? Yeah, I have to hesitate before I give that an okay. Yeah. I, and that, you know, it all depends on, you know, it's just like the combine. You bring the guy in, you sit down at a table with him, and you, and you have a long heart-to-heart. And if that heart-to-heart doesn't go well, thanks for stopping by. Good luck with you. Right. Good luck to you. But when he first signed with the Saints in 2021, he signed a one-year, $5.5 million deal. Mm-hmm. I would consider that if I'm Buffalo and I can sign him for comparable money. Sure. You know what I mean? Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. I think you do a lot worse than Jameis Winston uh, as a backup quarterback. Yeah, I don't, you're not looking for him to start. I don't know what he brings to the table. You'd have to find this out because it's important. How much can he help Josh play better? Case Keenum yeah, did. that's Bar- a good point. Matt Barkley did. That's a good point. Um, the other guys they've had as backup quarterbacks over the years have been very good, and, and their role is to help the number one guy get ready to play. I don't know if Jameis – is good at that. Yeah. That is a good point. It's your I job. hadn't I hadn't really considered that and the and the the brains in the room are important. I don't think there's any any doubt about that. And James not that James is a good player and he's yeah, I just don't know that that's his skill set. You know? rummaging around here. Our cords are bothering us. That's okay, fine. There we go. All right. Uh, so yeah, I, I I don't know if that. You see, there might be a guy because if the guy plays, you're done anyway. So nobody, I don't care if the guy can play unless it's a guy like, unless you're going to get a guy who's you know a really good player who you may win with, right? But you're not going to get one of those guys. They're not no. out there. So. I, I'm I'm all about a guy who want who's who's wants to help Josh play well. That's what he has to be here for. Maybe Andy, Trubisky, maybe somebody like Andy Dalton's a better option. And, right, exactly. Dalton's got a vast wealth of experience. You trust him. He's been a backup before because that's he, what he was in let Dallas. Me say this: I like him better than Jameis. Okay, that's fair. I'll I like sign up Andy for that. Dalton better than Jameis. I'll sign up for that. That's fine. Uh, speaking of the Cowboys. They are going to be using the franchise tag on running back Tony Pollard. He is the tag for running backs is 10.1 million. So to me, I think that's an intelligent move 
You're not committing long-term to Pollard, but he is clearly your feature back. I mean, as far as I'm concerned, Ezekiel Elliott should be tossed overboard there. He, he has minimal value at a $16.3 million figure. $16 million a year for Ezekiel Elliott. He doesn't do half as much as what Tony Pollard does for that offense. I mean, Tony Pollard is a complete back. Ezekiel Elliott is a three yards and a cloud of dust guy at this point in his career. Right. I mean, he really is. He's so not, yeah, he's dis- he's out of gear. He makes no financial sense for the he Cowboys. He didn't when they signed him to that stupid contract. Yeah, it was that was stupid idiotic. Contract. So I'm, um, yeah, it's the right move. Surprisingly, mm-hmm. they did the right thing. We'll we'll see if they, if yeah. they release Elliott. Zeke. Yeah, we'll see if that happens. I think a lot of us anticipate that will be the case. It's just doing good business. Rams are. Offering up a bunch of veteran players. They're also looking to release veteran players. How are those? How's that motto of uh, not using draft picks going for the Rams these days? They're expected to release Leonard Floyd, the outside linebacker, if they can't trade him first, according to league sources, as reported by NFL Network. Floyd has had at least nine sacks in each of the past three seasons. He's been productive. Certainly helps when you're playing with Aaron Donald. It would save them $3 million, leave a dead cap hit of $19 million. Meanwhile, they have given wide receiver Allen Robinson's agents permission to seek a trade after they just signed him to a free agent contract last year. But that, that matchup did not go well. So after one year of a failed experiment in L.A., the Rams are now trying to trade Allen Robinson. And they're sweetening the pot by offering to pay a portion of Robinson's 15 and a quarter million guaranteed salary this year to facilitate a trade. Robinson, 29 years old. What do you think of that as a possible number two wide receiver, Steve? It'll cost you probably $8 million because I got to believe if anybody's going to take on Allen Robinson, to their roster, they're going to ask the Rams to pay for half of it. If if that, if you could, yeah, I'm all about that. If you can fit that under eight million, that's pretty good for a receiver yeah, of is. Robinson's caliber. Now well, we can't fit- dismiss the fact that he fell flat on his face in the Rams' offense last year. He did nothing, and the only reason I am wholly familiar with that is because he was a receiver <laughs> on my fantasy team and did nothing. Well. Matt Stafford wasn't throwing him the ball, so there's that. Well, he refused to throw him the ball even when he was playing. That well, that's a problem. That's what I worry about. So, is it is it Robinson, or was it the quarterback he was playing with? He signed a three year, forty six and a half million dollar contract this time last year with the Rams. Okay, but this year his base salary, he Steve, missed seven games. Well, he he did. So his you, base salary is ten million, and it's ten million next year. So, if I'm the Bills and I think Allen Robinson still has something to give, I would call the Rams up and say, "Hey, I'm interested. Uh, how about I flip you a four, uh, or a or a five that could become a four if he starts more than ten games, and you pay." Half that salary. Half of the salary which should be that he is would, owed this year. Which now he's, he's supposed to make 15.25. Bonuses and everything, it's 15 and a quarter. 
I'd ask them to get to seven and a half, and we've got a deal. Right. 29-year-old Allen Robinson for seven and a half million? Okay. He could be your number two. For a year? Well, for that year, and he's signed for $10 million base next year, which you inherit. You don't inherit any of the bonus money. So you pay him 10 next year. Right. In 24. That, that's not terrible. Um, it's an option. I, I am a little discouraged by his performance last season. So well, that would give me pause. It seemed like, well, I mean, he did that in, in what, uh, 10 games? He had 35 catches for 339, just three touchdowns. If you double that, that's not bad. Not bad for number two. For number two. Not bad. That, but you know what? If you Big can, target, can ooh, still run. That, is that better than Gabe Davis, those numbers? I don't think so. Not enough. Different. I don't think Gabe Davis has ever had a 60-catch season. Yeah. What did he have this last year? I can't remember. We should know that. I got I it right here. That. I should know Hang that. on. Gabe Davis was 48 catches, 836 yeah. yards, seven touchdowns. Played, that, in, played that, in 17 games. Getting more snaps than anybody else. Yeah, it's not good enough. It's not enough. So there's that to uh, think about. Also on the around the NFL, which as we tell you is presented by Collider Health, the official healthcare provider of the Buffalo Bills, and uh, the Titans, Steve, are expected to release pass rusher Bud Dupree. Now here's another guy who was a former big ticket free agent signing. You remember the Steelers let him go. Titans signed him to a giant deal. He's due seventeen million dollars this season. And he's not getting it. The Titans him. are a team that have to get in cap compliance as well. He, so he's going to probably hit the market. I don't want to say it. it's a little bit of a fire. They are jettisoning all baggage in Tennessee, or at least players that don't make fiscal sense. Right. Like we're not getting enough of a return they're, they're from Dupree to, to pay seventeen million a year. There also has been rumor they're trying to to trade Derrick Henry as well. So their their prominent players are all up for grabs. Yeah, it's, it's in a, some respect, either to trade or to just outright pick up if they get released. I think it's a teardown in Tennessee. I agree. You got a new GM in Rand Carthon. Mike Vrabel, he, he'll probably tell him, Hey, look, you're gonna re- we're gonna rebuild this thing together, but we got to tear it down right now. We got to kind of clear the decks Let's clear some deck get some cap space for next year and we're going to bite the bullet this year uh, it's interesting i don't know they still got Tannehill. yeah but he's at a cost prohibitive contract too i wouldn't uh, be right. surprised if he gets clipped but i think this may be a year where they make a play to get a guy behind him to groom well they just drafted malik willis last year yeah he ain't the guy you can give up on him after one year. You, you see he him was every, a first-round pick. You see him every day. Yeah. I don't know. I mean, this year, you got Tannehill. I think he, his I, cap hit is 36-6. That's not horrible. I think you move. You can get out of it with a dead cap of just 18-8. So you could save, man, you could save $18 million on the cap by getting rid of Tannehill. Yeah, I think it's a total teardown in Tennessee this offseason. So, wouldn't be surprised if we see that. Then, player releases, Steve. The Vikings are going to be releasing veteran linebacker Eric Kendricks. Uh, That, according to the NFL Network, a first-team All-Pro in 2019. 
pretty productive player. He is going to be a free agent before the market opens here, presumably. And Oh, it's official now. Okay, so the Vikings have made that official. He has been released. So that is a done deal, Lucille. And, you know, good, solid player. If you're looking for an affordable veteran, like the Bills could be, if they can't re-sign Tremaine Edmonds, this guy could be a consideration. It is a deep, I will say, Steve, pretty deep free agent linebacker class this year. It's not like it's Tremaine Edmonds and a bunch of guys. There's some proven players that are going to be available in free agency that are probably a little bit older than Edmonds and certainly wouldn't cost you as much. He's going to break the bank. I think Edmonds, I told you this, I think Edmonds is going to sign the biggest contract for an inside linebacker of all time this offseason. You I think mean, he's going to get more than Roquan Smith at $20 million per? Yeah, I do. Wow. Okay. I do. Just because, maybe not per year, but I'll bet overall the contract's worth more because he's younger. Okay. He was yeah, way he's younger. 25. That's he's, the hook. He, he's a six-year vet. He's a five-year vet. And he's or a six-year vet. No, five. 18, 19, 20, 21, 20, 20. Oh, no, you're right. Six years. Six years. Wait a second. Yeah, he played in, he played in 17. I he just played on the 15. He played in oh, 18. he hasn't played in 23 yet, so it's five years. Right. 18, 19, 20, 21, 22. Five years. Can we count that on my fingers here? 18, 19, 20, 21, 22. Yeah, okay. So Five-year veteran. He's a five-year veteran, and you, you and I have talked about how other teams view him outside of Buffalo. It's completely different the way some Bills fans view him. And he is one of the best coverage linebackers. He had one of the best coverage linebacking seasons in the league last year, if not the best. And it's a throwing league. Yeah, I think he's going to hit a huge financial home run. There's just no way he's not going to. Just no way. Yeah. Not it's um, he's, he's going to break the bank. I know that. Is he going to be the highest paid linebacker ever? I don't know. We'll see. Probably not because, um, line, you know, because of the pass rushing linebackers there are. But yeah. as so, an inside off the ball linebacker, absolutely, I think he will. Here's just a, a glimpse of the free agent linebacker class. Levante David, Edmonds, as we mentioned, David Long from uh, Tennessee, who's been a solid linebacker for a bunch of years, T.J. Edwards, who had a big season in Philly this past season. Leighton Van Der Esch, injury issues there. Bobby Okereke from Indianapolis. Jermaine Pratt, not really a coverage linebacker, but a steady player in Cincinnati. Drew Tranquil coming off a career season with the Chargers. Alex Singleton, still a quality player at 30 years old from Denver. Denver's defense coming off a good season. And then it kind of Aziz Al-Shahir from San Francisco. That guy's going to make a lot of money. And then it kind of drops off after that. But there are some premium free agent linebackers where, you know, if for some reason the Bills can't get to a money level that's going to satisfy Tremaine Edmonds, all is not lost. There will be options and probably more affordable ones. Right. So I wouldn't freak out if, you know, the money can't get to a place that makes Tremaine Edmonds happy enough to stay in Buffalo. And I – you look at it though; it's it's going to be. You're going to have to hold your breath a little bit coming into this season. If Jordan Poyer's not a Buffalo Bill, Tremaine Edmonds is not a Buffalo Bill, and Leslie Frazier's not coaching, there's going to be some changes. Without question, just because that's the way it's got to be, because of the new faces. There's so many of them and and prominent roles. So there's going to be a little apprehension, I think, coming into the season because of that. But there are guys out there, as you just mentioned, 
that could fill that void better than may, perhaps we're giving them credit for. There is uh, some updated news concerning Daniel Jones with the Giants. Some are considering this a potentially good sign. Sources are telling Mike Garofolo of NFL Network that Jones's agents are traveling to New Jersey today to meet with the Giants in person after talking many times at the scouting combine. So they're hopeful that a deal can get done so the Giants don't have to use the franchise tag on Daniel Jones and can turn around and use it on Saquon Barkley. Um, I got to tell you, like, Daniel Jones, I, I was beating the drum on this a week or so ago. You cannot pay a quarterback who threw 15 touchdown passes $40 million a year. It's insanity. I'm even a little reluctant to give him the franchise tag money of $32 million a year, but at least that's easier to stomach. Well, it's only one year, too. Right. So, ugh. I mean, if if Daniel Jones is a guy you want back in the fold because he's a good leader, a good teammate, and you think he's going to get better, that's great. But you got to do it with a contract that makes fiscal sense and is in line with his production value. And right now his production value is 22 total touchdowns because he ran for seven, threw for 15. That is just – that's not even middle-of-the-pack territory for production. No. There's really – and I, I mentioned this last week that the paychecks for quarterbacks because of the prominence of the position and the importance of it and how good the best ones are – and how what the drop off is? There's no middle ground. I mean, you don't get a twenty million dollar guy. You either get a thirty five million dollar guy or, like we said, a five million dollar guy. There's no, or at least a ten to twelve or fifteen something in there. You never get any of those. Um, there's the, no middle market. Anymore. There's no middle market because you either got your guy that you're paying a ton of cash to, and then everybody else is a, is a throwaway, or you don't have anybody like that. Yeah, you got three and guys, looking, and you, you don't got, know who to play. Right. <laughs> You have zero. Yeah. So, and I think the Giants know what I think they believe what they have is better than bottom of the market, but they're having a real hard time finding the proper value. But that guy's asking forty-four million a, a, a year. He's asking forty plus. So that's just. And I get it. You always do. That's the way negotiations yeah. work. That doesn't mean you're going to get it. No, uh, but I'm, I'm really interested to see how this contract it's comes a, out. Cause I'm, this is a tricky one for I'm, Joe Shane. Yes, it is, because I'm telling you what, that $40 million, no. Yeah. App, no. I'm even like him and Han about 32 on the franchise. Yeah, thing. I would give him the franchise tag. I'm, I'm even having trouble with that, though. Like, I would, uh, You know what? I, I would even do the Because now you're paying him equivalent to the average of the top 10 quarterbacks in the league. He's not that either. I would, I would non-exclusive franchise tag him. And then move him? Somebody that's super desperate in the NFC South. <laughs> now, think about it. You can laugh, but Daniel Jones might be able to win the NFC South. Yeah. Even with Derek Carr in that division today. Okay. Tampa Bay, they might think about it. Carolina might think about it. Right. Atlanta. You never. I don't know. But that's where you're at. Yeah. There's no middle ground for these guys. It's either a financial home run or you're making backup money. That is Around the NFL, presented by Kaleida Health. We'll get into our recap of the NFL Combine here going forward. And topic of the day deals with that as well. A lot was said in Indianapolis last week regarding the Bills, you know, surrounding prospective free agents, draft class, positional needs for the Bills, among other things. So after you heard everything that you heard at the Combine last week, what has changed your mind 
about who the Bills should draft following what we heard and witnessed at the NFL Combine. 803-0550, the number to get on board. 1-888-550-2550 is the toll-free number to call if you're outside the 716 calling area. What has changed your mind about who the Bills should draft following the NFL Combine? Maybe you heard something that Brandon Bean said and you think they're going to do B instead of A. Uh, Maybe there was something that Sean McDermott said that makes you think, oh, they're going to probably avoid a player like this and they're going to look for a player like this. Or maybe there was somebody that had an unbelievable week at the NFL Combine that you say, I don't see how the Bills are going to avoid this guy at the bottom of round one. My gut feeling is there's a lot of people out there that have been watching this and hearing us talk about it and and the fact that all the wide receivers, I'm saying all, not every single one of them, but most of the wide receivers in this class are small and light. Uh, They just don't weigh enough and they're short. Um, They're no – Julio Jones in there, Jamar Chase is in yeah, no there. No alpha males. Right. So then you start looking around and say, some tight ends out there. And there's some tight ends. And we were looking. I mean, this Darnell Washington is is an unbelievable player. He's a freakazoid. Yeah. But there are guys who are considered better than him, at least at the college yeah. level. More polished. More polished or whatever. Yeah. As there always is. He, If Darnell Washington is there at 27, I'm okay with that. I'm okay with it. I don't think he will be. Hmm. He did have a heck of a combine, which we will touch on. And there'll also... be a couple of tight ends taken before him, I would think. Yeah. Yes. I, Dalton Kincaid is a very popular top tight end prospect out of Utah. He didn't do anything uh, at the combine because he's coming back from a f- fracture in his back. But the, that guy can really run pure, natural catcher of the football, and he can block a little bit, you know, at least give the threat of the run game when he's on the field uh, by lining up and blocking people. So he's kind of been the consensus top tight end prospect, but there are others that can do a lot of good for a lot of NFL offenses. Does that change the conversation where you say, well, I'm not crazy about receiver class. Let me pivot and do that. So that is the question on the table for you. What has changed in your mind? about who the Bills should draft following the NFL Combine and everything we saw and heard out there in Indy last week. 803-0550, the number to get on board. Steve and I back with more in a second here on One Bills Live, presented by Collider Health. It's Buffalo Bills Radio. All right, welcome back to One Bills Live. Chris Brown, Steve Tasker with you on a Monday where we are discussing the NFL Combine in review. What has changed in your mind about who the Bills should draft following the NFL Combine? Maybe it was something you heard either, you know, on NFL Network's coverage or maybe one of the guests on our show last week in Indy uh, that kind of shifted your thought process as to what the Bills might do and who the Bills should draft following the NFL Combine. 803-0550, the number to get on board, one 888 Let's go to the phones, and leading us off this segment is Mark in Jersey City. What do you got for us, Mark? Uh, how you doing, Chris? How you doing, Steve? Good. Um, it just fortified what I thought already. I mean, unsolicited, Dean talks about it. McDermott, kind of with the mismatch type of playmaker and the things that they've tried to do. 
Tyler Kloss to a lesser degree. They definitely tried signing Gronk. They definitely tried that, but he chose to go play with Brady. I Ed Lee Smith, he was an integral part. I, it's it's that kid that's just pushing a sled like it's a it's a baby doll. It it's Darnell Washington. It's a hundred percent him. That's the guy they draft. They don't draft the polished guy. They draft the traits guy. They draft the measurables guy, the upside guy. That's what they do. It just he reeks of everything that they would want. <laughs> he fixes their red zone problem. That QB sweep that Josh likes to finish the Chiefs off with that becomes a lot easier. You put defenses in such a bind with that guy. It allows you to do so many other things with Dawson Knox. It, it's insane. It's something that they've tried. They've tried 12 personnel. How many times did we see Quentin Morris on the field last year? And like, damn, they really like this guy. O.J. Howard didn't work out. Bobby Hart, tackle eligible. They, It just reeks of that's what they want. Right. No, it's a, it's a valid point, Mark, and thanks for the call. Um yeah, I mean, you, you wouldn't have to put Bobby Hart on the field as a tackle eligible. You would just put Darnell Washington on the field as a 6'6", 264-pound tight end who is basically Athletic. like having an extra tackle. Yeah. And, oh, by the way, you can go out and run a four six four forty and catch a football that you throw 11 feet in the air. He's, uh, he's a target. He's, look at the football in his hands. The ball look looks, at that thing. It, it yeah. looks like a pea. It doesn't even look like a real football when he's holding <laughs> the ball. Yeah. Um, I, I'm totally with you. I don't think Darnell Washington is going to be available at 27. Yeah, I think his upside may His upside is – now, the thing that may make him available at 27 is the fact that a lot of people think there are better tight ends in this draft. Dalton Kincaid being one of them. Right, he being one of them. Now, you're gonna, it's going to take – Four, he may be the fourth guy, fourth tight end taken. But if he's if the first three are taken in the top fifteen, he ain't making it to twenty seven. If the first three are taken in the first twenty five, maybe he's got a chance to yeah. get down to you. I he's not gonna. I, I just don't think he'll be available. I, I get it. I am totally one hundred percent on board with it. I understand it. You're right. The the things you said made a lot of sense. Yeah, including the history of what this team has done to try to get a second tight. That's end. right. They they have tried it, and it has not worked to their satisfaction and or to anybody's satisfaction. But you know they did it with Bobby Hart a ton last year. You're right. Um, Quentin Morris was on the field a lot. Who's the 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 offensive lineman that caught the playoff touchdown? Tommy pass? Doyle. Tommy Doyle. They've done it with a ton of guys. Now, maybe they would continue to do that, but Darnell Washington goes up to the top of the list of guys who go in in 12 personnel, not to the middle of the list. He goes to the top of the list. And he can do any, anything. He makes He's a problem for defenses to diagnose what the heck the offense is doing because he can block, he can catch. He catches. He can run. He catches very well. Now, he's, a, he's not an explosive athlete. But when he gets going, I mean, the turnover is, you can imagine, for a guy as tall as he is, every stride eats up more ground, so he just moves faster. Although he doesn't have real explosion, he's a straight line, kind of a get-up-to-speed kind of guy. He's a problem, particularly if, you know, I mean, they can't man up on him. There's nobody on the field big enough to man up on the guy. So, yes, I am very intrigued by him and his and his skill set. So I asked Brandon Bean when we had him on the air last week 
because the more we were talking to people at the combine, the more we were kind of getting the sense that, you know what, the receiver class is just okay this year. It's not as good as the last couple of years. You're not going to find an alpha male, you know, that is going to be an instant impact performer in your passing game. So I said, well, with that in mind, hearing all that we're hearing about how good this tight end class is, five in the top 50, uh, 10 in the top 150, I mean, that's ridiculous. You rarely hear that. Daniel Jeremiah called it the best tight end class in a decade. So I asked Brandon, is it possible that some GMs in need of help in their passing game may say, well, I don't really like the value here at receiver. Let me pivot to tight end. This is his answer. Quote, you're looking for mismatches out there. You really are. And so you're trying to determine, is the tight end just a receiver only? And they know it, so they're probably going to play him like a receiver. But if you can find those guys that are not a throwaway in the run game and can put their hand in the dirt and at least crack even, crack neutral, then maybe you get the defense into base personnel and you can throw it off of that. Or good enough that if you want – if they want to play you in nickel and you've got two tight ends in the game, you're in 12 personnel that you can run the ball where it's all right. You want to play us in nickel? We're going to try and run. So I do think there are some tight ends out there, whether it's free agency or the draft that can give you that flexibility. It's not like you have to go fill it with this receiver. We're looking for positions on offense beyond the low, beyond the offensive line where we can add a mismatch type player. Right, we That's where we went and found James Cook last year. And why we added Naheem Hines, just guys that can do different things that can be a mismatch from your standard receiver like a Stefan Diggs or a Gabe Davis, we, end quote. We started that conversation at, at the Combine about Gesicki, the, the tight end from One Miami. He, he can't do anything except he's a wide receiver who is too slow to be considered a wide receiver, and he's moved, put him at tight end. Um, that's how we got to this one-dimensional thing and started talking about maybe getting a tight end that can do things. If you've got a tight end who can help in the running game and you can run behind him or throw or pass with him on the field, especially if you can throw it out of two tight end offenses and be a matchup problem, because if you've got two tight ends out there, particularly the size of Knox, who's big, and this Darnell Washington, who's bigger, they got to kind of feel like they got to bear up and throw some bodies out, the big bodies out there to Let's just run to, you over to hold up in the run game. I mean, a nickel corner against those right. two guys. I mean, so Knox is six guy, five, two thirty seven. So and, if you get a guy like Taron Johnson out there trying to man up on one of those guys, whew. and you just you just start turning around and handing it off all of a sudden, and then you then you're moving the football down the field, and you're not putting it at risk at all. And if you can, I've said it. It's still why everybody wants to run the football. Because when you can run the football whenever, however, whether they know it's coming or not, your opponent, your players, their coaching staff, their their players, their fans, they feel defenseless. Yeah. They feel completely vulnerable. They are they check it in. They are done. That is an enormous advantage for a team um, to be in. And you throw it as a complete changeup, and whenever you want to, you don't have to throw it if you don't want to. So if you can get a defense to decide that they got to go big bodied against your two tight ends, then you got tight ends that you can flex out and start split outside the hash marks, and get those defenders, those big bodied defenders, run defenders, spread out in space where they got to cover. You need to be able to win that. So. Yeah. 
and I know it's it's football one hundred and one we're talking about here, but it's it, this is where we're at here with this draft stuff. What who the, what are these guys going to allow you to do offensively that you weren't weren't able to do or as weren't able to do as well before? Right. And a guy like Darnell Washington, I mean, almost he changes the conversation. Almost yes, almost single handedly he changes the equation. Yeah. Let's go back to the phones and to Marty in East Aurora. What do you got for us, Marty? Yeah, hi guys. Hey, uh, great uh, job at the combine. Uh, I try Thanks. to watch you guys every week or every day. Hey, um, uh, when's the last uh, guy you ever heard? Uh, you know, kind of making it big time from Old Dominion. Uh, I was watching uh, the, the tight ends, and I watched this dude Zach Kuntz, six eight, two fifty, four five six, and a forty. First in a vertical jump, first in a broad jump, first in a three cone, and second in a shuttle run. Uh, if you could, if the combine uh, play did it for him, well, fine. But I just wonder what your thoughts are. Yeah, um, interesting guy. Killed it in the workout for sure. Uh, moves uncommonly well for a player that size. And this is a guy I haven't seen his tape yet, but. With 34-inch arms, I mean, if he can block, that, those are like offensive tackle arm lengths. So you run a 4.55 and you have a 1.57 10-yard split, that's pretty rare for, for a guy that big. 40-inch vertical, Steve. <laughs> for a 6'7 tight end. I don't end. even want to do the math to how high in the air that is. A 40-inch vertical at 6'7 and he's 6'7 and 3'8 or something like that. Now, here's the thing. Unbelievable. He tests really well, but the knock on him is his tape doesn't match up with his athleticism. So that's why a lot of people consider him a day three guy. There is some upside there. Um, he, he's a track guy. He's a high. He did a high jump and hurdles uh, in high school. So he's a huge target. There's no debating that. But he's light on starts. He only has 15 in his career in college. And he's a little raw as a receiver, you know, getting off of press coverage, even at his length and stuff like that. And so getting separation for him is tough. Now, it may not matter if you're 6'7 and you've got 34-inch arms. You can jump up probably 10 feet and catch the football. But there's, yeah. there's some work to be done there. So I would consider him an athletic prospect an athletic project, maybe even more so than Darnell Washington, who played at a much higher level of football. His, his ability to play in the NFL is going to be dictated by what's between his ears. Um, his commitment, his ability to see it and to see what's going on around him and the roster and how he's going to make the team and whether he can play special teams, whether he, he'll do anything, whether he'll – um, be able to learn how to release, learn how to block, learn. You know, all he's got a lot of he's got a long way to go to prove that he's got the mental capacity to be smart enough to change his game or enhance his game in aspects that'll get him on an NFL roster. That's where he's at right now. He's he's raw, but he may as well be um, a soccer goalie coming over trying to play football. That's kind of what we're at. He he's, he's unquestionably got the athletic traits to play right, in the league. Right, he's got athletic traits to play in the league, but whether he has the experience or the desire or the commitment or, quite frankly, the intelligence to learn so fast enough to get there is the question. Yeah. And I, that's where you kind of decide, I ain't gonna, I'm not going to put a number one on that roll of the dice, but I might put a number four or a three 
on that roll of the dice yeah. as to where that kid can do it. Break time for us here. Ron and Lackawanna will lead us off next segment. So stay where you are, Ron, and others holding at 803-0550. But we do have an open line for you. What has changed in your mind about who the Bills should draft following the NFL Combine and all that happened in Indy last week? You let us know. We're back with more of your phone calls here on One Bills Live, presented by Collider Health. It's Buffalo Bills Radio. All right, welcome back to One Bills Live. Chris Brown, Steve Tasker with you, asking you if anything has been changed in your mind about who the Bills should draft following all that we saw and heard at the NFL Combine. Back to the phones we go into Ron in Lackawanna. What do you got for us, Ron? Afternoon, guys. Great job last week. Oh, thanks. Appreciate that. Now, my biggest thing, I, I, I was impressed with the offensive alignment at the uh, Combine. And I'm thinking, why can't we go with us in the first two rounds, offensive line? There's a running back I like in the third round that Spears. Oh, and from maybe Tulane, yeah. In the fourth round. Huh? From Tulane, the running back from Tulane? Yes. I like that kid a whole lot. Yeah, he's a good player. I think. And I'm thinking maybe if he's there in the third round, go with go with him, and then take your tight end in the fourth round. See how so deep is that tight end spot? Uh, hang up and listen to you guys. Thank you. All right, thanks, Ron. Uh, he wants to go O line, O line, similar to the Bills draft in 2021 when they went D line, D line, right in round one and two. And then D-line, he's got D-line. running back in round three, which the Bills have done twice. In Brandon Bean's tenure, Devin Singletary and Zach Moss, both third-round picks at the running back position. Yeah, the, the Bills went D-line, D-line in 2021, and then O-line, O-line in second, in the third and fourth Fort, rounds. Yeah, yeah, Spencer so, Brown, Tommy Spencer Doyle. Brown, Tommy Doyle. So, yeah, <clears throat> yeah, that's it's fun to think about. I I agree with you. Brownie and I were going round and round on top interior line. We're thinking interior linemen. Uh, but if one of the big-time left tackles drops down to where you're at at 27, yeah. you take that left tackle and you plug him in, let him play left tackle for the Bills, move Dion down or move him to the other side and play right tackle. Just put Dion wherever you want because you're already paying him money and you got the same money for both of them being yeah. on the field. Give them their best position and go. Totally yeah, go. I mean, Paris Johnson from Ohio State, Broderick Jones from Georgia are – Considered two of the better tackles in the draft. Both of them probably come off the board in round one. How early or late is what remains to be seen. Man, I'd love it if one of yeah. those guys got down to 27, but I think that's a little far-fetched. I would be more than happy to be wrong on that front. Steve, the money is out for one Derek Carr. Are you ready? Four years, $150 million, 100 of which is guaranteed. 70 fully guaranteed, which is 60 at signing, another 10 million in year three vesting after year one. And he also has a no trade clause in his contract. So even if it doesn't work out, he will control his destiny, much like he did in Las Vegas. 37.5 per year. Which, you know who that helps? Daniel Jones. The New York Giants. Yeah. Yeah. I think it helps the Giants more than Jones, don't you? Oh yeah, well, I don't think the Giants. I mean, Jones well, wants forty something million. <laughs> the Giants, if the Giants need help from Derek Carr, they ain't doing it right. Well, yeah, but I'm saying I'm every just, contract provides another talking point for one side or the other. To me, this one provides a talking point for the Giants. Like, look, dude, forty million, you're out of your gourd. I mean, your numbers weren't even as good as Derek Carr's last year. How can you ask for more than that guy? Right. Uh, you're right. 
Uh, you look at Derek Carr last year, his passing. He was productive. 24 TDs, yeah. 14 interceptions. He had more TDs throwing it than Daniel Jones did running and throwing. Yes. This is um, my point. So, yeah, I'm totally with you. Totally with Helps you. Helps the Giants. It does help the Giants. And, I, and like I said, th- we're only talking about that because it sounds like the Giants and Daniel Jones are getting close. And right. If they're over, if that starts with a four, I'm if there's that money starts with a four, forty. Nah, that's too much. It's way too much. Yeah, we have to take a break here because in hour number two, we're going to be joined by Pro Football Focus draft analyst Trevor Sikama. He's going to be joining the show when we return to go through all of what was in Indy at the NFL Combine. That's next here on One Bills Live, presented by Collider Health. It's Buffalo Bills Radio. Presented by Kaleida Health. Hour number two on a Monday. Chris Brown, Steve Tasker with you. One Bills Live. Pleased to be joined now by pro football focus draft analyst Trevor Sikama, who's uh, got a newly fresh, hot off the presses write up as he is uh, basically recapping the combine with the best performers in terms of grades. Trevor, how are we doing? I'm doing great, guys. Appreciate you having me on the show. Yeah, no so, worries. So let's begin here. Um, do you have like a, a let's let's do like an Olympic podium here, if we could, of best performers? You know, who's getting the gold, silver, and bronze medal here from the combine? Just, I guess we'll go just on workout performance only. Okay, workout performance only. I mean. Gold medal has to go to Anthony Richardson, right? And it's funny because we watched how Anthony Richardson worked out and people were marveling about it. And now we're talking about him potentially going in the top five. And people were like, whoa, 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 hold on. We already knew Anthony Richardson was going to be athletic. But there's a difference between knowing he's going to be athletic and then him showing up and being historically athletic, right? I mean, the best... Uh, 40 there the best vertical jump that we've ever seen from a quarterback at the combine uh, the best broad jump we've ever seen from a quarterback at the combine and the fourth fastest 40 yard dash time for a quarterback that we've ever seen at the combine so I feel like Anthony Richardson just has to off of history alone get that top grade there I'll say that Deontay Banks the corner from Maryland I'll give him the silver medal in this Tested in the 95th or above percentile in the 40, the vertical, and the broad. He looked incredible. Also, sized in around six foot one, 197 pounds. He is making a case to be one of the top cornerbacks selected in what is a really, really good cornerback class. And then I guess for another one, I'll go to the offensive side of the football and I'll say Quentin Johnson. I loved how Quentin Johnson was able to show up as big as he was, six foot three, 208 pounds have an over 40-inch vertical jump, over 11-foot broad jump. And he just looks different than the rest of these wide receivers in this class. There's a lot of short, 
shifty slot receivers. And, and not that they're bad. It's just that there's a lot of those smaller wide receivers in this class. And Quentin Johnson shows up and he goes, okay, not only am I big, not only do I have the potential to be an X on the line of scrimmage, kind of a wide receiver, one player, but also I'm explosive. And I got that athleticism with it. So off the top of my head, those three guys, have to be three of the biggest winners that we have athletically yeah, from in this Buff- week. In, in Buffalo, we're real sensitive to big, strong, athletic quarterbacks because when the Bills took Josh Allen, it was like it was polarizing to say the least. Most people thought he was going to be in a, a colossal bust, um, and you know the 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 quote unquote true believers knew that he was going to get better and he's going to be that guy. Does and we always ask the question of these guys. Is Josh Allen's success helping athletic quarterbacks in drafts like this, knowing that people are giving him the benefit of the doubt where they didn't give it to Josh Allen? Yeah, there's no question about it. Josh Allen is where everybody goes to when we talk about these big, strong athletic quarterbacks who just might not be finished products, right? And and for as incredible as Josh has been over the last two years for Buffalo – When he came into the league, he was not that finished product kind of a player. It took him time to get there. Now, for him, he was lucky enough to where it was those reps, those full-time reps that were able to um, spur that change for him. For other quarterbacks, sometimes when they're not ready and you throw them out there in the NFL, they crash and burn. And I think that Josh Allen, to you guys' point, is the perfect example of this guy's got all the tools and look what can happen in a modern-day sense of when it all comes together. So there's a lot of Josh Allen talk and – Sometimes I feel like it's a little bit insulting to Josh and how good he is that we I feel like we use the comp as much as we do for a lot of these athletic high trait quarterbacks. But there's no doubt about it. That's where everybody reaches when they first see a guy with these super high athletic traits and what it could be in the NFL. About the position drills, um, I know Richardson maybe didn't stand out as well there. A lot of people felt C.J. Stroud kind of proved he's the best natural thrower um, in the draft. And another guy that at least some Bills fans have their eye on is another Ohio State product, and he fits into that class of small, shifty receivers that you referenced, Jackson Smith and Jigba kind of – did you think he kind of cemented himself as the best pure route runner in the class? He's one of them, no doubt about it. And, look, it was a little bit disappointing with Jackson Smith and Jigba because if there's any concern in his scouting report at all – it's the long speed, and he did not run the 40. I wonder if he's going to run it at Ohio State's Pro Day. But that's really the only question mark we have. Now, he got out there and he tested in the agility drills, which are the three-cone and the 20-yard shuttle. Both of those, he tested above the 96th percentile for wide receiver. So this is an incredibly quick fast, controlled wide receiver. We've already seen how good he can be in his routes going back to that 1,600-yard season he had two years ago at Ohio State. And so for what he was able to show in the agility drills and then, like you mentioned, on the field as well, he definitely solidified that kind of narrative around him. Now, like I said, he he didn't really boost his stock in a way that we didn't think was going to be the case with with the 40-yard dash, but there's no doubt about it that he is. If he's not the best route runner in this class, he, he's top three. And if you're in the top three in a really nice route running class, we know that you're going to have a successful career even off of that trait. So Smith and Jigba, he's making a case to be that wide receiver one. Who knows where that's going to come off the board in this class, but he certainly did a lot to strengthen a lot of the good arguments that people have for him being a damn good wide receiver. You mentioned it when you mentioned Quentin Johnston, the wide receiver out of TCU, being a guy who's big and he's Mm -hmm. fast. He showed some things that people didn't really know that he was going to do. But the rest of this wide receiver class, they all look 
like Smith and Jigba from Ohio State. They're all 5'10", from 5'9 to 5'11", and none of them weigh two bills. And they all, they're all that, that kind of guy. They're small, undersized receivers yep. who have separation, quick inside, short, quick speed, run after catch ability, maybe some explosion. How do these guys separate themselves? Is, is it only on film? Because when you get them lined up at the combine, all of them are built the same. Yeah, no, I think that, and that is where you have to, well, I think that the combine helped you out a little bit because some of these guys showed that they were a little bit more athletic than others. And if that's the case, if you're built the same, you're probably going to lean a little bit more towards athleticism. That's why a lot of people like Zay Flowers from Boston College, right? You In a group that is Zay Flowers, Tank Dell, um, Jackson Smith and Jigba, Josh Downs, you know, like these, again, these smaller wide receivers who could be all picked within the top 50, top 60, a lot of people like Zay because he's got more explosiveness to him. He's got a little bit more juice. Now, those other guys, like I would say Josh Downs and Jackson Smith and Jigba, very, very productive players, but they're more smooth than they are explosive. And that's not necessarily a bad thing, especially for the artists that those guys are coming from the slot position. But when you look at a player like Zay Flowers, I feel like some teams might argue, okay, well, there's a little bit more stop and start explosiveness, suddenness, violence to when he is able to accelerate and get into his routes than there are for these other receivers. And maybe that's what might make the difference because for the rest of these guys, like you mentioned, they're very, very similar builds. They have very similar styles. It just comes down to productivity, I think. And if that's the case, of course, Jackson Smith and Jig was going to be at the very top. Like Josh Downs from UNC is going to be right behind him and so on and so forth. So it really just comes down to how you see these guys on tape and how you think they could fit in your scheme. And I know Dalton Kincaid from Utah, you know, widely considered one of the type, top tight end prospects, didn't do anything because he's recovering from that back. I think he had a fracture in his back um, at the end of the season. Mm-hmm. He's still considered top of the class. How much did Darnell Washington's workout, which kind of put his elite physical traits on display, maybe close the gap? They're coming from two different worlds in the tight end community. One right. guy's this polished pass receiver who's going to make an immediate impact in your passing game, and the other guy is this gargantuan freakazoid of a human that can really put defenses in a bind in terms of, hey, when you go 12 personnel with Darnell Washington, you could be running the ball, you could be throwing it up to him 11 feet in the air. I mean, are you putting a nickel on the field or are you putting a third linebacker on the field? You don't know with that guy. I like how you described Darnell Washington, a freakazoid, because that's basically the only words that I can come up with that also describe what he was able to do. Six foot seven, 270 pounds, running the way that he did, jumping the way that he did, looking as good as he did in the drills portion. I mean, he had the highlight catch of the week as well, that one-handed catch of the sideline, which was an incredible um, showcase of of, uh, coordination there for him. So, look, I mean, I think that he showed that he he could just do it all. And in a tight end class that is getting a lot of hype, you've got guys like Dalton Kincaid, you've got um, Luke Musgrave, you got Tucker Kraft, um, Sam Laporta, right there. There's so many of these tight ends to like, but even amongst those guys, Darnell Washington is different. He's built different, as the kids say, and his tape is different. You're right. He shows up as more of a blocker than these other tight ends do. And as we are seeing more tight ends become this big receiver type of mold, Darnell Washington can give you the best of both worlds. It's why I think that he shouldn't get out of the first round of this upcoming draft because he gives you that unique ability. They call him a unicorn for everything that he's able to do as a blocker and a receiver. And 
you mentioned it. When you get into those two tight end sets, whether he's the first tight end on the line of scrimmage or the second tight end on the line of scrimmage, when you go into 12 personnel, those multi-tight end sets, you really put the defense in a bind, especially if you have another good tight end to pair with him. If you've got a two-headed tight end attack with Darnell Washington in there as your one or your two, that's going to put a big-time stressor on the defense because there's not a lot of sub-packages even that can handle him. Not every team has that kind of safety corner or safety linebacker hybrid that they can put on the field to guard him. So Darnell Washington, no question about it, really solidified himself as just a true difference maker in this class and in this tight end room. In Buffalo, we know uh, when we're drafting 27th in the first round, you you know there's – you know. We all have our dream picks, what they're going to be. But most of the bill, and we last week focused on the interior offensive line as guys being available for them. And also because of the depth of that position or those positions, there's probably going to be a really good player. One of your dra- mocks, uh, along with a lot of other people, have the Bills taking a guard out of Florida, Osiris Torrance, um, that mm-hmm. type of player. Now, if it was Osiris Torrance, fine. That's all fine and dandy. Is there a uh, – like where w- would there be a higher – level a a better guy than Osiris Torrance if he falls you take him over Osiris I feel like you know sir you look at the three offensive tackles they're up at the top two of them Peter Skaronsky and Paris Johnson Jr. are players who could play on the interior I suppose Broderick Jones from Georgia could as well but a dream scenario along the offensive line, I guess, for the Bills outside of Osiris Torrance would be Peter Skaronsky because his tape out of Northwestern is just so dang good. He's He has played left tackle for them over the last couple of years and played it very, very well, but he measures into the combine and he's only got 32 and one fourth inch arms. Now, arm length is not the be all end all to explain whether or not you can play tackle in the NFL. But a lot of teams have their thresholds for offensive tackles at at least 33 inches. And so he is well under that. And so you think that measurable wise, he looks more like a guard. The tape tells you he's talented enough to play offensive tackle. He would be that dream pick for the Bills because you could play him on the interior right away. He would be able to start for you, I think, day one. And then if you ever got in a pinch, whether it was next year due to injuries or further down the line with contracts, you can play him at a tackle spot. So he's he would definitely be somebody that would be classified as a dream scenario for them. But if not, I really do like Osiris Torrance. He's a pure interior offensive lineman, was one of the best in college football this past year, about as powerful as they come. And I'll say this too, he looks to be reworking his body, making sure that he's getting in the gym, not having any bad weight on him. And I think we've seen that throughout the draft process as he weighed in at the Senior Bowl and then weighed in again at the Combine. He's down from his listed weight of 347 all the way down to 330. I still think he's got that power to him. He just looks better and he looks like he can move a little bit better with that too. Flipping it over to the defensive side here, Trevor, um, linebacker could be a pretty important need for the Bills if Tremaine Emmons gets priced out of their uh, market because of their cap situation, which could very well happen. Um, so knowing that, Jack Campbell from Iowa, he had a killer workout, uh, better than I even anticipated. My question to you is, does the do the workout numbers – match up with what you see on tape from him they do and almost it's it's almost as if the tape you love 
and you didn't even know he had this extra juice in him. So it's almost like the combine told you there might be something left to squeeze out of Jack Campbell. The best might be yet to come for him because I I agree with you. I thought he was going to I thought he was going to run a little bit slower, not look as explosive as he did this past week in Indianapolis. But I still love the tape. I mean, I had him linebacker one, linebacker two. He was fighting for that top linebacker spot no matter what. Now that I know this dude's got even more in the tank athletically, that'll pretty much solidify him as LB1 for me because it was his tape that I liked the most. I was just a little bit concerned with where he was going to stack up once we got to pro-level athleticism. So really great week from Jack Campbell. You've got some other names on the screen there. Trent Simpson, Henry Toho, Diane Henley. Those are some guys that you also would want to consider. And then I'll throw out the name that's a little bit further down on that list, who I really like, Dorian Williams out of Tulane. You know, there's not as many pure off-ball linebackers in this class. It's a lot of hybrid guys. It's these safety linebacker converts, these guys who are linebackers slash edge rushers. There's not a lot of true off-ball linebackers. Dorian Williams is. He's another guy who showed really nice athleticism this past uh, this past week in Indianapolis. I like his tape. He's a great pursuit guy. And I really do feel like if you can't get one of the top guys in the early rounds, likely the second round, if you maybe wait a little bit, the mid rounds, third, fourth round, you could pick up a guy like Dorian Williams and it might be a big hit for you. One of the things that always happens this time of year, we get mock drafts that come out. And it's interesting, too, because you get a guy like a running back like Bijan Robinson, who is an outstanding talent, but the position has been so devalued, people are like, going, I don't know if you do you take him in the first round or not. The Bills have been mocked to Bajan Robinson, or he's been mocked to the Bills a number of times. Is he the first running back off the board, and when do you think he goes? I would be so shocked if he was not the first running back off the board. He has got some of the easiest tape you've ever seen. I mean, you watch two games of this dude, and you go, yep. Pro NFL player. That's about that's about all you need. I mean, the footwork, the change of direction, the vision, the contact balance. I, this guy had over a thousand yards after contact this year, guys. It was unbelievable. You know, in PFF, our grading scale goes up to ninety nine point nine. Bijan Robinson had a ninety six overall grade on the season. That is just unheard of when you can play that well that consistently so he's just truly one of the best and then what I also love about him is how much he can give you in the passing game too soft hands they've lined him up as slot receiver at times he's great out of the backfield as a weapon there as well that's where the Christian McCaffrey comps come from we know that Christian McCaffrey went number eight overall back in his draft I'm not so sure Bijan's going to go that high but he is talented enough to be picked in that top 15 top 20 range certainly if he makes it down to Buffalo's pick he should be on the board with you with uh with with what they need and, and where they can really improve their roster to get them over the hump. I'd tell you there's probably three blue chip talents, at least on-field talents in this class. Jalen Carter, Will Anderson, and then Bijan Robinson. Those are the three that we have to choose from. So if a guy like that were to make it all the way down into the uh, late 20s, you should absolutely keep an eye on him. Last one for me, Trevor. Safety is a position where the Bills are going to have to replenish their numbers here in the offseason. Not only is Jordan Poirier a free agent, they have two backups that are as well, and we don't know the future of DeMar Hamlin's playing career. So they're going to have to replenish numbers there, and they'll probably address that a little bit later in the draft. I know it's not a great safety class, but the two kids from Illinois kind of piqued my interest. I know Sidney Brown had a great senior bowl week, and then only added to that with his workout at the combine, four four seven, forty and a half inch vertical, broad jumped almost eleven feet, uh, and he's got ten inch hands. 
But I, I kind of like Jartavius Martin, too, though. Uh, played some nickel and safety. I like that position flex. And then 11-foot, one broad jump, 44-inch vertical, 1-4-7, 10-yard split, uh, and a 4-4-6. So uh, do you like one better than the other? Yeah, I mean, just insane athlete. Martin showed up and absolutely put on a show, which you love to see. I still like Sidney Brown more, but that's the, the, the Illinois secondary over the last couple of years. You know, you throw Kirby Joseph in there for as well from last year. I mean, I, they've, you've got Devon Witherspoon, who I think is the top cornerback in this class. You've got these two safeties as well. So uh, Illinois is building something in their secondary over the last couple of years. It's been fun to see, but I still like Sidney Brown a little bit better just because of his approach and everything that he brings to the game of football from a physical standpoint. I got to watch him in person, field level at the Senior Bowl, and man, he was so much fun. He is flying around and he talked about how he loves playing at the linebacker level because it allows him to communicate even better. He can communicate with the defensive line, communicate with the other linebackers on the back end. And they also give him the freedom to play at that second level because he's got such great instincts for where the ball is going. We saw it with takeaways. We saw it with big hits. We saw it with timely tackles, everything. So he is just such a smart football player. And if the health checks out, Sidney Brown is somebody who uh, I would definitely have my eye on. But another guy who I really like, I'll just give him a shout out, Jamie Robinson from Florida State. We were at his podium session in Indianapolis and um, – he, he actually broke down everything that goes into that word versatility. Somebody asked him about being versatile. And instead of just saying like, yeah, I like to be versatile. He actually broke down what that looked like this past year. He talked about how he was in the safety room on Wednesdays. He talked about how he was in the linebacker room on Thursdays. He talked about he was with the corners on Fridays. He was learning the entire game plan for each position because no matter where he was going to be deployed, he wanted to have that confidence once he got into Saturday's games. And so love the preparation, love the outlook. He's somebody who doesn't just say the word versatility and does it with his athleticism. He does it with his mind and his preparation as well. So those are two guys, I think Sidney Brown and Jamie Robinson, that I would definitely champion on day two in this draft from the safety class. Trevor, last one from me. Um, it happens everyone. I don't know if you can answer this question, but it's fun to talk about. The Bears have made it known that they're not married to that top overall pick. And you got a couple of quarterbacks. You've got some teams that are quarterback needy. What do you expect to happen at the top of this draft? We've seen all kinds of scenarios where Carolina gets up there, everybody else, you know, people trying to trade up to get that, the Jets. What are your thoughts about what's going to happen with those first five picks and those couple of quarterbacks that these teams covet so badly? No way the Bears stay at number one. There's just no way they're going to be making the pick at number one when it's all said and done. This quarterback class is too good, and if they're not going to take one, they cannot afford to leave a deal off the table. You've got the Texans right behind him. You've got the Colts. You've got, heck, even the Seahawks at five. You've got the Raiders at seven, the Falcons at eight, the Panthers at nine, the Titans at 11, right? They're all of those teams, and that's just through the top 11 that would want to jump up for one of the best quarterbacks in this class. I think this combine got a lot of hype for all four of those players in uh, Stroud, Bryce Young, uh, Anthony Richardson, and Will Levis as well. So there's no way they're making the pick at one. They're moving down. I think, in my opinion, the only question now is, is Chicago going to trade down twice, right? Are they say There could be a, sh- a scenario where Chicago trades down to number two with the Houston Texans, gets a couple of extra picks with them so they can go get their QB1, the top guy in this class, and then you'll probably still have the rest of those group of teams calling up for number two overall. That might be able to move back even further. The big question is just how far would they go down? Would they be okay moving past number seven or number eight or number nine? 
or do they want to stay in the top five? So it's going to be it's going to be very exciting to see how it all plays out. Real quick, is Bryce Young too small to play the position in the NFL? I don't think so. I, I really don't. Now, is he on the smaller side? Yeah, absolutely. He's not going to play at the 200 weight level that he went, measured in at, at the combine. But this guy was the best player in college football over the last two years. He hit over the middle. He took massive hits. Uh, he he was pressured all the time. And yet every single instance where you thought they finally had Bryce Young, they didn't. And that was with a talented Alabama team on offense his first year and a much less talented offense from Alabama this past year. Whatever it was, whatever the scenario, whatever the opponent, he was able to deliver in incredible fashion every single time. Because of that, I've got to trust the tape. I've got to trust the playmaker that he is. I do not think that he is too small to play in the NFL. And if it was up to me, I wouldn't be passing on him at number one overall. All right, Trevor, thanks very much for all the insight. We appreciate it. We'll catch up with you down the line as the draft draws closer. Thanks, Trevor. Appreciate it, guys. Anytime. All right. That's Trevor Sikama from Pro Football Focus. He's their draft analyst. Certainly had a lot of uh, good takes on what went down in Indy last week. And, uh, yeah, I, I'm telling you, man, I, I think one of those safeties from Illinois could be sitting there, you know, late round three when the Bills are on the board. And if they've already addressed, you know, some of the things we hope they can address, like offensive line or a mismatch in the passing right. game, I heard Sidney Brown is instinctive. That's all I needed to hear. <laughs> you know what I mean? So, and yeah. if you remember, Steve, last week we had yeah. Charles Davis on. Yeah. He worked the Senior Bowl for NFL Network, and that was a safety he said he likes a lot. So, the Bills have drafted a number one DB out of Illinois before. It was Henry Jones back in the day, and mm-hmm. he had a tremendous, yeah, pretty good career. <laughs> tremendous <laughs> career. So They're there you go. Right. Yeah. Um, there is NFL news. Dun 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 dun. Uh, Jeremy Fowler from ESPN is reporting that in a surprise twist, the Chiefs are not going to franchise tag starting left tackle Orlando Brown. He is going to become a free agent on March 13th. That's when the negotiating window opens. Free agency officially opens March 15th. The player has apparently been notified by the Chiefs that they will not be tagging him. So Orlando Brown the starting left tackle for the Super Bowl champion Kansas City Chiefs is going to hit the free agent market, and I suspect he is not going to be there very long. Good for him. I think the New York Jets are going to be all over that guy. That Yeah, that'd be a good place to They're spend some of their money. They're going to be all over that That's guy. That's a good place to spend some of their money. Because they need a lot of help up front. Uh, I would expect the Jets to be calling that phone Midnight, yeah. March 13th. Also, this is the day, too. Calvin Ridley is now back into the NFL. Reinstated, Reinstated yeah. Reinstated by the commissioner after being out for a year because he bet on somebody else on a different game in the NFL and wasn't allowed to do that, obviously. So he's he was out for last year. Now he's back in after yeah. 12 months. This is the fun time of the offseason NFL calendar. Stuff is happening. I know. People are moving. I, I love it. <laughs> I can't get enough of it. All right, got to take a break here. But when we come back... We're going to hear from one Vaughn Miller. Our Bills reporter, Matty Glab, caught up with Vaughn at the NFL Combine where Vaughn was learning the ins and outs about front office personnel work. As we know, he wants to become a GM in the NFL one day, much like former player John Lynch, who's the GM of the San Francisco 49ers. We will play that interview for you next here on One Bills Live, presented by Collada Health. It's Buffalo Bills Radio.
right, welcome back to One Bills Live. Chris Brown, Steve Tasker with you. We're going to turn now to an interview by our own Bills reporter, Matty Glab, who caught up with Von Miller at the NFL Scouting Combine in Indy late last week. Von out there to learn the ins and outs of what being a general manager of a football team is. Brandon Bean offered some assistance. So here now is our own Maddie Glab with Von Miller. Maddie Glab here sitting down with Von Miller that we found at the 2023 NFL Scouting Combine. Von, amazing to see you here. You know so many people here. Everybody in the NFL flocks this place for an entire week to see who are the best guys that are going to come out of college football and into the NFL? Why did you want to be a part of this week this year? You know, I, my dream, my aspiration is to be in the front office, be a scout, be a GM, um, but I don't have any direction on how to get that done. Um, fortunately for me, Brandon, Brandon Breen is such a great human being, and he's taking time out of his life to help me with mine. And I've been uh, blessed with multiple opportunities like that, and I'm just here shadowing our guys. we got a great scouting department. We got up and coming uh, GMs, up and coming scouts. The Buffalo Bills do a really good job of uh, scouting, uh, management, and I'm just here to shadow those guys. Von, you went through this process when you were coming out of college football, but now to see it from a different lens, what is it like, and you're a business guy, what is it like to see this week be put together from the business perspective of how big football the NFL is now today? It's, uh, it's very interesting. Um, this is my going on my 13th year in the league. Um, over you know, a third of my life has been in the National Football League. So I've, I've seen it from a player. Um, I've been in all types of different situations. And now I get to see it from the other side. Um, I saw it, I saw it, I've seen the, the, the game from a media standpoint as well. And that was just another way for uh, me to really observe the league that has done so much for me. And getting to meet with so many people, shake so many hands, probably meet some new people from different teams that you haven't been able to interact with before. What is it? What is the networking of this week been like for you? Oh, it's, it's cool. You know, like I said, I've, I've been in the league 13 years. You know, I've, I've been on the Denver Broncos, the LA Rams, and now the Buffalo Bills. And I've worked with so many different coaches and scouts that that interchange on all these different teams. And, they're on other teams around the league and just to see these guys and be around these guys and talk to them about, you know, my dreams and aspirations and to get advice and, and pointers and, and most importantly, guidance on what to do next has, has been extremely um, humbling and it's, it's been a privilege and it's been it's been so blessing for me for sure. So where has that burning desire to be an NFL GM one day, where did that come from? I think, it's, I think it just happened over time and I'm a huge believer in, you know, watch what you think because whatever you think, that's what you'll say. Whatever you say, that'll become your actions. And I've been saying, man, I want to be a GM. Not just just saying it. You know, whenever I saw John Elway and John Lynch and Les Snead and Brandon Bean, I just, you know, I, I want to be a GM. I want to be a GM one day. And then it falls on the right ears with, with Brandon Bean. And he calls me up to his office and he's like, man, we start talking about it. And then he, he was actually the one that, that watered my plant. And, you know, that's where um, the dream came from. And, you know, you sit down and, and you see things and you, you come up with this want and this desire to do it. I know it's an extremely hard job. I know it's a, the um, it's an extremely competitive market as well. But this is something that I want to do. It's a passion that I have. Um, it's a way for me to stay attached to the league um, beyond you know my playing careers. And you know I love this place. I don't want to be out of the NFL ever. So 
this is a this is a way for me to stay attached. It's a really cool industry to be a part of. I mean, you get you are doing what you love, and you can do that beyond playing in the NFL, which I think is so cool. Putting your GM hat on. What type of traits is Von Miller drafting? <laughs> I mean, I think I think player evaluation is just a small piece of it. You know, you can have coaching evaluation as well, athletic trainers, the infrastructure of the team. Um, you know, you got scouts, you got pro scouts, you got uh, college scouts, you got all of these people. You just have to be, you have to have some type of business leadership, you have to have some type of um, social leadership as well. I think it's easy to hit on the, the, the quarterback that everybody knows is going to be good. Yeah. It's, it's easy to hit on that receiver that everybody knows is going to be good. I think the, the core players, um, that third middle linebacker or that fourth corner, those are the guys that are really going to make your team. And we've done a great job here with the Buffalo Bills with Dane Jackson and Demar Hamlin. These guys are late. These guys are late round picks, but they play like first round, yeah. second round picks. So you have to hit with those guys to have success. Everybody, I mean, everybody knows about the, the, the best guys in the draft, but it takes um, it takes talent and it takes an eye to really find those guys that'll create the, the foundation on your team. I mean, that's totally true. Look at what the Bills did with Christian Benford last year. That's that's somebody that they were able to scout and find that other teams didn't maybe think they he had the upside that he actually did and played quite a bit for the Bills this past season. When it comes to what the Bills are looking for, what you are looking for on this team next year, free agency is just a couple of weeks away and then the NFL draft. What's your pitch to players about coming to play for a team that's that's pretty close to something special? We got Josh Allen. <laughs> we got Josh Allen. You could do, stop do what at camera, that What camera I'm looking at? What camera? <laughs> <laughs> we got Josh Allen. Um, we got a great coaching staff. I think more importantly, we got a great culture, which Josh is a huge part of that. Um, a couple of plays, a couple of plays away from from you know winning a few more games. We only lost four games the whole season. You know, we're right on the brink. Um, I think some of the knocks that we have is, is the weather and this and that. But I'm here to tell you, like once you get here and once you experience it, I think Coach Shalibi said it the best. You know, a lot of people don't want to come to Buffalo, but once you get here, you don't want to leave. We have a great home field advantage. Offense is going to put on points. Just missing one or two players. Um, to really be able to get that done. But we're not the only team in this position. It's, every team's in this position every single year. Rarely do you bring back all 33, all 22 players. Yeah. You know, um, so we're, we're not going to be able to bring back everybody, but we still have a great team. We still have a great product. Just missing a few more players. And that could be any position. And um, we're playing in uh, Super Bowl 58. Come yeah, on. and that could be you, whoever is <laughs> listening to this. It's the off-season, Vaughn. What have you been up to? What have you been doing? I hope you've taken some time off to chill. I know you're working here and shadowing people this week, but what have you been up to beside that? I think most importantly, um, I just had my second son. He'll be a month old on Tuesday. Congratulations. Ridge, what's up? What's up, guys? Mark? What's up, guys? Y'all good? I will come See? out and try a second. See? He knows everybody here. I got, uh, you know, I, I got two young sons. You know, I think most importantly is, you know, rehabbing my knee, making sure I'm ready to go whenever the season starts. Um, I also, um, you know, I want to, you know, continue to get experience and, and um, figure out um, what it takes to be, you know, in the front office in any form or fashion. So um, I got I got those three things, and that's that's pretty much it. If I was younger, it'd be more on my plate. But now, you know, all I want to do is play golf, video games, kick it with my kids, and really just evolve. Well, congratulations on the second son. You talked about the rehab a little bit. Just finished a workout. <laughs> coach Mike, what's up? He knows more people. <laughs> he knows more people. We can't even get through this. I'll get with you in a second, Coach. <laughs> I love it. 
you just came through a workout. How's, how's the rehab going? How are you feeling in the process of, of getting to 100%? Rehab's great. You know, all I, can, all I can really control is my mindset. You know, the body's gonna do what it's gonna do. Um, and I really don't have any complaints. This is my 13th year in the league. You've been through it. We've won two you know. Super Bowls. I got two healthy sons. Josh Allen's on my team. You know, it'll be, it would be a crime to, you know, sit here and even think about things to complain about. I, I have a great life. Um, got a lot of great people around me, man, and I'm, I'm super blessed. You heard it here first from Von Miller at the NFL Scouting Combine in Indianapolis. So cool that you're here and so cool to see you. Thanks for sitting down with us. Yes, ma'am. Thank you guys for having me. All right, that's Von Miller with Matty Glab at the NFL Combine late last week. Caught up with him over the weekend and got an update. Things are going good on his uh, knee rehab. The general consensus is it is hoped he will be available for most, if not all, of the 2023 regular season. Makes a lot of sense. You, um, these guys have, you, know, you, you get them peg, pigeonholed into, you know, as being a professional athlete and they, they make a ton of money and you think, well, after they're done playing football, they just, you know, kick it back on a beach and with a Mai Tai and let, let life roll on. Um, there's more to it than that. You know, certainly, you know, I'm one example of it. Guys on my team, there's a ton of them. They got to have a plan because you're going to retire at like, what, 35? And it's a lot of life left. And a guy like Vaughn, who loves the game, loves what's going, he's got a plan. He said, you know what, I want to do what his buddy John Elway did. Or um, John Lynch. Or John Lynch. Um, Ozzie Newsom. Mm -hmm. There's a, a long list of guys. Martin Mayhew. Um, there's a ton of guys um, that are part of organizations at the higher executive decision-making level because they start when, and I, I, they start when they don't need a job. Like they, no, nobody cares. Von Miller's he doesn't need to be at the combine in Indianapolis, but by going there and putting in some effort and, and displaying the commitment to saying, listen, I don't need to do this. I mean, I got like a pile of money. I got stuff going on, but I want to learn how to do this. And when you get known for having an appetite to learn it and do it right and to be part of that process, you know, some along, we're along guys will give them a chance, all right, go scout. The, all right, I want you to go take the Pac-12 and scout that conference, come back with some guys you think can play, that kind of thing. Let's go. Uh, guys got a plan for what they're going to do with the rest of their lives. And Vaughn, fittingly and predictably, has very – a very high goal yeah. for when he finishes. It's the way it should be. We are going to take a break here because when we come back, we got to crack open the tweet sheet for some of your final thoughts on did your mind change at all about what the Bills or who the Bills should draft based on what you heard or saw at last week's NFL Combine. We'll get those coming your way next here on One Bills Live, presented by Collider Health. It's Buffalo Bills Radio. All right, time for us to quickly hit the tweet sheet where we were asking you what has changed in your mind about who the Bills should draft following the NFL Combine and all that we saw and heard from there last week. Tweet sheet brought to you by Corrigan Moving Systems, the official equipment moving company of the Buffalo Bills. Jack leads us off and says the impressive run and size of Darnell Washington at tight end really has me thinking he could be an X-factor weapon for our offense if he's still there at 27. We know the Bills draft traits 
And this guy has traits and measurables in spades. Should be an excellent blocker, too. Andrew says, I was thinking if we lose Edmonds, we might want to draft a linebacker, but I love the way Kendricks plays. And since he was released by the Vikings, maybe we go after him. Yeah, it is a good free agent class of linebackers. You're going to get a guy, even if you pay him, you're going to get a guy that can perform up to the length of that contract. Maybe if you get a one-year deal at a guy or whatever, um, even if you do, if you get a, even a three-year deal, then you can really spread the money out. That, um, I agree. I think free agency is the way to go. If they can free up enough cash to get guys in here, I think that's definitely uh, an it's option. It's too important a position to drop a rookie in in a go-for-it year. You know what I mean? Like. Yeah, Back in 2018, thing, when right. they dropped Tremaine Edmonds in there as a rookie, they were coming off a 9-7 and seven back into the playoff season, and they were they still a, a roster court. that was being retooled. And they started, they started our boy, Jeff. What, what, I can't even remember his name now. The, the quarterback in 18 that we ended up having to – the guy uh, – Oh, you're talking about when everybody got hurt? Yeah, everybody got hurt. They had to start Anderson. They picked him off of the couch. Yeah, but the, Derek Anderson. Yeah, but before after that, it was a rookie of, ahead of Josh who oh, was starting. Peterman. Peterman. Nathan Peterman they had to play. Yeah. And then it was Josh for the bulk of the season. I mean, they were started a rookie quarterback. Yeah, and then who he cares got if hurt. They, who star- who cares if they started a rookie linebacker? Yeah. They had a quarterback that was a rookie. Yeah. Josh says, if anything, my desire to trade out of the first round has been strengthened following the combine. I'm not sold on there being more value to the Bills with one player at 27 overall versus three to four picks we could require in return for trading back. If you want three to four picks for trading back, you'll be back in the fourth round. Yeah, you're not going to get one pick extra. Great idea, but it's not going to get done. It's it's just too much. You're asking too much for that. All right, another rock-solid show coming your way tomorrow at 1. Steve and I will see you then.